Hey everyone, this is William from A Fan's Perspective. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How to record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen on? How do I make money from this podcast? Well, guys, the answer was really easy. The answer was Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with a great sponsor who wants to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Guys, let me be real. Anchor has changed the way I look at podcasts. It made it really easy for me to get in there, start editing my stuff, and get it out to you. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money while doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear what you come up with in your podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Youth Sports and their impact on its players in the community. This is actually a fan's perspective. Today I have with me uh, my Uncle Jerry. He's going to come in today and uh, provide some interesting commentary, hoping to be more like a color commentary guy. Uh, As we discuss this impact that our players have on their communities. How are you doing today, Jerry? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. William, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Now, the reason this topic came up is because to me, it's it's very important when we talk about professional athletes, where they got their start from. And, and most of them got their start, well, let's face it, in youth sports. Um, and I was really wanted to bring you in on this because I know you have experience right now. I believe that, uh, that you're involved in, in a, a youth football program down there in Lumberton, Mississippi, correct? Yes, I'm involved with the Lumberton Youth Athletic Association. Uh, we provide sports in the areas of youth football, youth baseball, and youth basketball. And as, a matter, as a matter of fact, we just had our banquet tonight for the trophy presentation at the end of our youth football season. And see, to me, that's a very important thing. And and. That actually brings me to my first point I want to talk about, and it's these youth programs actually help develop uh, what I call a winning drive in these young in these young people, because it all starts when they're young. Because if you can really establish that that winning want that where they want to win, um, it can really affect how they look at other aspects of life. Uh, or am I looking at that in the wrong way? No, it, it really does. It, it changes their perspective on how they look at themselves and how other people see them. Because we actually have a team that, that are called Tiny Mites, and they come out ages from four to five to six. And they learn how to cooperate as a team, how to follow directions, how to focus, how what sports look what sportsman conduct is like and 
they get to see the reactions of their parents when they play good. And I have seen over the last eight weeks how parents will really get involved in the children playing. And when they're disappointed, they will try to build them up and build up their confidence. So it's it's really a character builder more than anything. Now, see, and, and that's what I really like to hear because too many times when uh, when we're looking at YouTube or on the news, we, we see that where parents are what I call too involved, uh, where they're getting fights either on the sidelines or, or in the bleachers behind the dugouts. And it's really positive to hear that the program down there uh, is, is facilitating a, a safe environment for these young people to learn because to me, uh, anytime parents start getting in scuffles and all that, it doesn't hurt anyone but the kids and the programs that their kids are involved in. That's right. Well, there was an incident last year in, in Hattiesburg between Hattiesburg and Poplarville where a referee actually got injured. So this year, our program president, Stanley McGowan, and uh, his assistant, Raquel Parker, they got with the association in Mize, and the association came down with some new rules. And they got on Facebook and, and let the parents of the players know, hey, look, we're having a meeting at the football field this afternoon at 4 o'clock. There have been some rule changes. Be there. And it was explained to the parents there would be no yelling and, and hollering and putting down on the kids from the stands and no one's allowed on the field. If there's any kind of violence trying to start, they will be escorted off of the property. And we're trying to show the kids that, you know, this is not the way you're supposed to act, but it's got to start with the parents first. And, and see, exactly. And that's one thing. Um, I generally break down a list of the way I want to run these things and, and our conversations kind of running against that. But you actually bring up a very valid point because to me, Youth sports really, it, it creates a competitive atmosphere, which allows these young folks, once they're done playing sports, even if they never choose to play again after they're in youth sports, it really sets them up to be competitive in other parts of their lives. And it gives them that drive to where they understand the more I put into it, the more I can get out of it. But that competitiveness is very important and we see that too often where as you said right here in Hattiesburg Mississippi there was an incident where there had to be rule changes and I want to see that implemented more uh, nationwide because this isn't just a, a, a highly contested area in South Mississippi where we see this it's all over the nation where parents overstep their boundaries and I mean I understand it being competitive but our children are supposed to be the ones that are competitive, not the parents. We're supposed to be there to build them up and, and use that as a teaching point. Well, I, I agree. I have I've actually seen it on the news at a peewee football team in one of our northern states where one of the parents actually went out and punched the referee out. Now, what kind of examples does this show the players on the field? Our job as coaches on the field is to show these players, hey, look, you're not losers. Even if you lose the game, you're not a loser. As long as you try your best, as long as you give your best effort, 
you're a winner. We don't care what anybody else tells you. Just keep striving forward. It's it's the parents that really need to get a grip on themselves. Well, I was sitting here, and uh, and really what brought up this particular topic is I was sitting here in my office, and I was thinking about you know right here today is actually it's it's November 11th, so it's it's Veterans Day, and really what I was thinking about is the community pride that we here in in Hattiesburg and in Lumberton and and all over the state of Mississippi, the pride we show in our veterans. Well, I was thinking about um, the pride that like when a kid goes from peewee football or or Dixie youth baseball, the, the, the reputation that they develop and they build in those youth programs tend to follow them on into high school. And it made me think about the community pride that, high schools show or the community that these high schools are in show whether it be homecoming parades whether it be right now the Lumberton Panthers are in the second round of the playoffs and I I bet you that stadium hasn't been had that much noise in it for a little while but it the, they locked down home field advantage and I guarantee that community down there where you're at is very proud of what's going on but a lot of those players started in a youth program right there in their hometown well, they did. As a matter of fact, one of the players on the football team right now, I believe he's a sophomore. His name is Rodney Parker Jr. And he started out in the Lumberton Youth Football Program as a tiny mite. And he played up through the tiny mites, up through the uh, midgets, all the way up through the peewee. Then he got into junior high football and high school football. He's a two. He's a a two sport athlete. He plays baseball, and he was recently invited to an all star camp in Phoenix, Arizona. And when he was interviewed by the news outlets there, he praised Lumberton and the kind of support that the community has for their sports, especially their youth sports, which had brought him to the point that he's at now. So it does impact them throughout their life. And, and that that's an important point is because I myself, I played baseball down there. Now, I didn't I didn't play as well as I have some friends that that were starters, you know, full blown. But the important thing is, is, yeah, um, we we see that coming from, you know, starting in the youth programs to following them up. And, it, and it's really cool when you go sit in a, in a football stadium. And you're watching these these kids that you watch to grow up turning into young men and even on the cheerleading squad that starts, you know, at that at that peewee level, you see these men and women growing up to be young men and women, these children, I should say. But it's really cool when you're sitting there and and you know you've watched them develop from someone that's just learning the game to a player that is being touted and recruited by universities um you know it's not too uncommon that we see high school baseball players get drafted to the major league baseball now whether they choose to go or not that's up to them but i think it's been a while since we've had one i think hattiesburg high school and summerall were the two most recent that we've had in high schools in mississippi get someone drafted but when you look at the amount of professional athletes that come out of out of mississippi it's it's astonishing because I think it all starts back, and and I know we keep. I sound like a broken record, but I think it starts right there 
in the in the youth sports because once again we go back to that winning drive being developed at a young age well you can take some of those like i, I was heavily involved with the with the nine ten year olds this year because my foster son this was his first year playing any kind of organized sports and you realize when you watch some of these children that they have some real athletic ability. They, they've got an instinct for football. And when you can get them in a youth sports program and harness that talent, instead of letting them run the streets and get in trouble and get involved in gangs and wind up in jail, if they can become proud of their talent and use their instincts, it can carry them all the way to the professional league in sports. But it takes a community getting involved in a youth sports program to keep teaching these young men. And we've even got little girls that sign up to play football and to show them, hey, look, I am somebody, I can succeed in life at something I really love. Now, it's really cool that you bring up uh, young women signing up to play football because uh, last season right here in Hattiesburg, they had the first female football player playing a, in a Mississippi State championship game, which is really groundbreaking because we've all known in high school that there's always been young women that have wanted to be involved in the male-dominated sports such as football. And we're seeing it in baseball where young women that don't necessarily want to be involved in just fast pitch softball, but they, they want that challenge of getting out there on the diamond and pushing themselves to break those barriers, which is, which is one thing as a society right now, we should be building up. We shouldn't have barriers separating what people can and can't do. But when you see that it, it, it instills a sense of pride knowing that, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, young women are, are looking at this as I can do this as well. And having those youth organizations that are allowing and willing to let these young women take that opportunity and learn the game and be a part of it is a big step. We've come a long way in the past four years in, in where we've been allowed to allow young women to be a part in those organizations. Well, here at Lumberton, uh, Lumberton High School actually has a female lineman named Monty Cook, and she's been playing football for three years. And last year, she was involved in the South, the South State Championship team that we had that, that lost in the playoffs to Resurrection. And she's playing again this year, and we're in the second round. So if we by chance end up going to the state championship she will be the second female involved in a high school football championship in in this state and that's that's something for Lumberton to be proud of yeah and, and i mean i think it's something uh, as a state um for mississippi we we are considered kind of backwards in a lot of things and i think to be so forward and progressive with with sports which is what the South is known about for us to be that state that's really, uh, you know, in the forefront of what's going on. I think that's a big deal. 
Um, because let's let's be fair, we don't always get a positive light shown on us. But um, for for most of the small towns here, um, to have to have that opportunity to just say, hey, you know, we're we're not you know we're not against change. We're we've got you know we're opening up our sports to to more people. I think that's a that's a big positive that we can take out of that. Well, really, Mississippi uh, Lumberton is they're they're really opening up all sports to females, but the the, the whole state seems to be getting involved because it was two or three weeks ago that Ocean Springs High School not only made state news, but they made national news when the homecoming queen also kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime for Ocean Springs to win their homecoming game. Yes, now, sir. That, that was, that was a, bright, a bright light shown on this state. Yes, that was, that was really cool to see. Um, and another thing that these youth sports, not only is an opening up a world to, to all people, it also brings in economic benefits to each community that is hosting these. Uh, we see it a lot with uh, the Little League World Series. Uh, probably 10 years ago, Laurel hosted a regional for the Little League World Series, and we saw an economic benefit from it, not only in Laurel, but in Hattiesburg when it came to uh, hotels and restaurants in the area. These youth sports leagues can actually bring a lot of economic benefits to small towns such as Lumberton, as well as you know your your bigger towns in in Hattiesburg, Laurel, Jackson, and I think that's important when you think about. Uh, we we were talking about parents earlier, and I, I like to talk about when parents handle themselves properly. These communities are more willing to open their doors to them, um, and these communities reap the benefits economically. But when parents act a fool then you see these communities start shutting themselves off to these tournaments and and the it just it creates a void there that a community might get used to having an economic boost or boom at certain points in the year and you know there's a lot of things that can go into affecting that time of the year well you can you can see the kind of impact on on certain communities that the youth sports programs have for example, Lumberton Peewee actually played Newton County. They drove all the way down here to play a, foot, a, a Peewee football game. And they brought a, a good crowd with them. Now, when Lumberton played Brooklyn in a Peewee game here, I could, I could swear that half of Brooklyn came. But I went and watched the final game of the season between Lumberton and Picayune. And you know how big Picayune is. Yep. And I looked across the sidelines at the Picayune stands, and William, there weren't 30 people there. And, and see, that that's that's crazy when you think about that, because, yeah, Picayune is a, a larger community in our area, and that's one thing I will say about smaller towns. Um, th they travel well. They they tend to support very strongly. Now, Picayune supports their high school programs very well, but you would like to see that trickle down and, and see that support starting at a younger age because one of my next points is 
these these organizations can build a long-lasting confidence in, in these these young men and women but at the same time in a situation like that it can also build a lack of confidence when uh when you're going to play and and it's it's a big game and there's not a lot of people in the stands you you feel like you're not getting supported so what kind of message is that sending to you well one of the things that one of the things that's disheartening to me being involved with the program like I have been this year is watching all the coaches having to transport children back and forth to their homes because their parents are too busy to bring them to practice or to come to the game and watch. And we, we need we need to get more parental support. Uh, they're not showing their children the kind of support that they really need to instill that character to make them want to make their parents proud of what they do. And that, that really affects the community as a whole when you go to a peewee football game and you see, you know, there's 18 young men out there in, in football uniforms you get to looking for all of their parents and there's 11 people in the stands and the majority of them were there for three or four football players. Yeah, and, and that's something I've always kind of take, taken issue with is because let's be fair down here um in south mississippi from the time at a very young age you're taught or or you're brought up to to that's where you want to be whether it be on a friday night in high school whether it be baseball you're taught that that's kind of where you want to be you want to be on a field somewhere during the high school year like that's why we see a lot of two athlete or two sport athletes is because that's where they feel at home but when you don't have your when you don't have parents or you don't have people from your family supporting those decisions, even though they might have been a big part of you stepping into sports as as a young person, when they're not stepping in and they're not being supportive of it, you know, it makes it makes those young players think, okay, you know, my parents or my family's been pushing me to do this, but they're not willing to come out and support me doing it. That's the message that, that these young men and women are getting. And to me, that can instill a, a lack of confidence. And if my own family doesn't believe in me enough to come watch, am I really good enough to do anything with this? And, and that can be detrimental over long periods of time and not just in sports. Well, you're, you're so right about that because we have had players quit because their dad wouldn't come watch them or their mom wouldn't come watch them. And you could see them on the sidelines turning around and looking for them and hear them say, well, my dad dropped me off and said that he would be right back. And you can go to these meetings uptown and hear parents complaining about, well, we need something for our kids to do over the summer so they'll stop getting in trouble by hanging around at the parks after dark and all this kind of stuff. But yet when the opportunity comes for them to sign up to play, you know, youth football, youth basketball, youth baseball, they'll come pay the money for their children to play. But where are they? Where, why are they not instilling this confidence in their children? 
Well, I think one of the issues we have right now is that that's that's the nomenclature. I'm going to pay for it. That that right there should show show my belief that if I'm willing to spend my hard earned money to allow my child to do this, then that should be enough. But what parents that do that don't understand is you you paid for your child to participate. But what they're looking for, as you alluded to, was when you see a player turn and look in the stands, looking for someone there that's supporting them. When you're not there, yeah, money is great as far as paying for them to do it. But that money is insignificant to that child because that child's looking for you as a parent or you as the loved one to be there supporting them, whether they they fall. I remember um, when Lumberton played in... Um, it was the state championship against Mooreville. Um, my mom and dad traveled all the way up to Mooreville, Mississippi. And we wound up losing that state championship. But I had my parents there. And they were there to comfort and, and really talk to me and tell me, hey, there'll be another time. Even if there was never another opportunity for me to play in a state championship, the fact that I had them there to say, hey, it'll be okay we just got to work harder. You'll get them next year. We just got to put in the extra work, but we'll get there. That meant a lot because that let me know that everything I worked for through that season wasn't for nothing. I just needed to keep working. And, and to me, that's what's missing is we have too many parents that are willing to open their wallets to allow their children to play, but not fully commit to their child being a part of an organization. Well, that's like when Lumberton went to play a playoff game about, I guess it was about, oh, it was a lot of years ago. It was back when Lumberton played Ackerman. And, okay, uh, yeah. Me and your Aunt Susie, we, we went up there to that game, and, and it was miserable weather. It was wet. It was cold. It was foggy. But the whole Lumberton sideline was full. The stands were full. There was a foot of water covering the bottom row of of steps on the bleachers. And we ended up losing the game. But yet there were parents out there on the football field hugging their sons going like, look, you put 100% effort into this. Don't give up. You're going to to PRC next year, you'll do better, or you're just a, a sophomore, you'll do better next year. And it's amazing how that's went from then to now they'll bring their children over and drop them off. And us as as coaches and so on, we're, we're nothing more than glorified babysitters because when it's over, the children are, are wandering around the sides of the football field looking for a ride home. And the parents shouldn't ask questions when the, the child at home says, hey, look, I want to call and, and talk to Coach Argino, or I want to call and, and talk to Coach Mike, or I want to call and talk to Coach Jerry. Who do you think is giving them the most incentive to move forward in life? It's, it's not their parent, it's their coach. It, well, and, and we see that a lot, especially, um, you know, when when I was in high school, we saw that a lot, a lot of players that 
didn't have necessarily that that home life they leaned heavily on their coaches because to them they see these guys as as people they can trust they're there for every moment they're there for the ups and downs and what they're doing as a, as a coach your job is to instill that confidence because you want your players to trust that the decisions you're making are are for their benefit you're not trying to get them hurt you're not trying to you know, run up stats. You're, you're not trying to do things for your own personal gain. These players, they look at it and they say, hey, I know Coach Jerry or when I was in school, Coach Hartfield, the decisions that they're asking me or the, the stuff they're asking me to do, they wouldn't ask me if they weren't willing to do it themselves. I, I can't tell you how many times I remember when I was playing baseball when you learn how to take a hit and you can never – fully learn how to take a hit from from a fastball but when your coach is willing to step in there and show you how to do it that instills that that he's willing to do something he's telling me to do therefore I know he's not asking me to do something that he himself wouldn't do and and you're exactly right when when a child's wanting to call their coach versus their parents that should be a red flag like that's what youth sports does is it's establishing a relationship with these coaches that I guarantee you there's there's youth coaches that still every week go watch their players that they brought up through their system play in high school and and that's the type of the communication the relationship that these coaches strive to make and we're seeing that but when you don't have that same home communication and home relationship and parents wonder why their kids aren't willing to open up to them. Well, you can go to a game on a Saturday or any day of the week and see how your child reacts differently with their coach versus how they react at home. And it's a comfortability thing. They're more comfortable spilling their guts to their coach than their own family. Well, if the coach is doing their jobs like we do down here in Lumberton, they're instilling focus in the child how, how to how to focus their life but they're also developing a sense of what of self-worth that's a, that's like my foster son he has a lot of a built-up anger and anxiety and frustration and had nowhere to go with it but he had never played football and we taught him how to direct his his anger and everything in to being an awesome defensive lineman. Now it took about half a season for him to realize, Hey, I can actually hit people and not get in trouble. And he was hitting people larger than he was and putting him down. One, one boy from Purvis that was a good foot taller than him just looked at us and said, he just came through here like a tank. And he's going like, I can get all of my anger out right here and not get in trouble and not hurt anybody. And he's talking about playing through peewee, through junior high, through high school, wanting to go to college and all that now because he sees that there is something that he can do, that he's not stupid, that he is worth something, and that he has friends that he can play with that has his back. And that that's an important thing because um, as a 
former athlete. I don't, I don't do it anymore, but that was something that I always took pride in is the guys that I played with were like family. Um, you know, they had, they had your back regardless. Now, granted, did we do sometimes you make bad decisions as a family? Yes, of course. But that's all part of it. That's all part of building that rapport with your teammates that they're willing to go to the lengths of the earth with you because to to you, that's family. That's that's what's important is you don't want to see a teammate go through a rough time and you not be there. You don't want to see a teammate get dogged out on the field and, and you're not there. And that, to me, has always been the cool thing about sports is no matter how many times you fall, there's always someone there to pick you up and say, hey, let's let's work a little bit harder. Let's get in the training room. Let's let's make this where it doesn't happen again. And to me, that's that's what's so cool about starting sports at such a young age is because a lot of these guys, they'll go on and play, like you said, in junior high and high school with each other. They 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 follow each other into that next level of sports and it helps establish that they still have that confidence and it makes it to where when they go off to college, they understand not only social skills on how to build that same rapport with whatever team they're playing on and with the new teammates that they have, but it allows them to know that once again, everything they put into it can come back to them tenfold as long as they're willing to put in the work It'll show. Well, you should have had your podcast while we were at the the banquet for Lumberton U Sports tonight because the team that I assisted with, I, I mainly coached defense, but one of the coaches that was coaching with me that was passing out the awards, he actually told all of the uh nine ten year olds he said y'all really made us work this year because about halfway through the season y'all started coaching each other and y'all were figuring out plays and we were having to try to stay ahead of y'all because this unit jailed as a group and that's the kind of things you like to see young men do because if they will grow up doing that through school and as they grow up in the, into their adulthood, the things that they learn in these youth sports programs, they will pass on to their children when they have children, and, and they will remember where it come from and what they had to go through to get that. And it all starts, to me, with organized youth sports because that's what grows young boys into great young men. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of my biggest pet peeves is going to sit in a high school football game and, and you're sitting there and a couple rows up behind you. Every, every school has that guy that is sitting there. And obviously, he, he you can tell he knows what he's talking about. But he's sitting up in the stands and he's heckling his hometown crowd or his hometown players saying, hey, you need to go do this. You, can, you need to go do that. Well, my message for people like that is look go volunteer you work yourself with with youth well why not take that knowledge of what you're sitting in the stands looking at and seeing why don't you take that and help develop young players that way maybe 
those players won't make the same mistakes you're seeing. Sitting in the stands, complaining and arguing about your kid's not doing this, your kid's not doing that at the high school level. Well, where were you, you know, when they were being developed? That's important to me because if you have a base knowledge and you have a knowledge that can help people and help kids develop, why not take that same that that same attitude of man I wish they weren't doing that right now why not take that and and teach other players not to make that same mistake instead of sitting up in the stands you know complaining about it why not make yourself useful to these youth organizations that probably don't have a lot of people volunteering for it and are always looking for help to make sure that they have enough coaches and supporting cast to make this a proper organization, make it sure it runs smoothly. And I love that point because I was I was at the Lumberton Stringer game and there was a group of guys back behind us and all they would do was, was dog Coach Jones. Why do you keep running this play? Why do you keep running that play? And take that and put it beside one of the players from the from the nine, 10 year old team and two of the players from the 11, 12 year old team this year that the coaches talked about tonight, that the coaches would call the play and the player being 10 years old or 11 years old will tell the coach, this play doesn't work because the defense is doing this. Hey, if you know that much about offense and defense, volunteer to be a youth football coach start coaching these young men to where they know hey if we try to run this play the defense is doing this because you're teaching these men how to read certain situations that's not only going to apply in sports that's going to apply in your job life you will learn how to read certain situations in your work in your relationships in your community and that starts at the youngest level well, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that's actually one of my points that uh, this will, you know, we'll end on this point. But it's the idea of problem solving. And you touched it right there is when young men and women start in these youth organizations, that's one of the key things they're learning is problem solving, whether it be, OK, we lost to this team today, but what did we learn from this team that when we see them later on? we can take that and use it to our advantage to make sure that we don't have the same outcome. And I've always felt that youth sports did a very good job at that, whether, especially in baseball, in football, in in softball, those problem solving skills start at a young age. And I like to think of them, we'll take the most obvious position, a quarterback. When you start as a young player learning that position, well, not only you're learning how to hand the ball off properly and, and have a proper throwing motion, but you're also learning the basics of a defense, which is problem solving, whether you see man, man coverage, zone coverage, whether you can notice that another coach is teaching their defense spy coverages at an early age. Those are the things that come out as a young player, and these are the things that they can parlay into their regular life of, well, I'm having this problem at work or I'm having this problem at school. 
what's the solution? Because being able to take that same mindset from the field and take that problem solving to your regular life is, is an important part for people. You know, quarterback's a good position to talk about because, as you know, some of your greatest quarterbacks, you take you take Joe Montana and, and Fran Tarkington and Brett Favre and Peyton Manning and, and now Drew Brees. Those quarterbacks had the gift of being able to read the defense, especially when it comes to blitzes. And sometimes life blitzes you. It comes at you very fast. And you've got to be able to read that blitz to know what play you're going to make. And that all starts with your training in new sports. And that, that's a very good point. And, and in that, like, I, you brought up Brett Favre. Um, Brett Favre was notorious for having bad footwork. But once again, what's that come into when we talk about problem solving? is Brett Favre had to learn how to, even with all these coaches and people around him saying, you can throw the ball a mile, but your footwork's horrible. Well, you're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback now, who to him, that might not have been a problem because he learned how to still effectively play his, his position without having to change a lot of his body style. He learned how to work around having poor footwork but he learned how to be efficient with it. So he had to problem solve how he was going to be as a quarterback with saying, okay, do I really want to work on my footwork or do I want to work on the rest of my game, such as learning to read defenses, such as learning how to properly throw the ball? Because let's be fair, he's a gunslinger. He doesn't have a traditional throwing motion, but what he did was figure out how his way of playing the position to benefit teams and he had to sit down and you know he had probably tons of sleepless nights wondering well I have all these coaches telling me that I have X Y and Z wrong what way how can I solve this problem to say hey you guys obviously see this but I'm going to show you that that's not all about who I am and I think that has a lot to do with coming down to someone's confidence to someone's personality and once again, someone's ability to solve a problem, which you might not see as a problem, but everyone around you does. Well, you talk about a problem-solving quarterback, you've got to throw Drew Brees into the mix because you've got a six-foot quarterback throwing the ball over six, 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 seven, six, nine defensive linemen that he can't see through or around. But he knows his offense so well, and he trusts his receivers and his tight ends and his running backs so well that he knows how to solve his problem. He has made it his mission to solve a problem. That's just like on their blowout game today against Cincinnati. Uh, 51 to 14, Drew Brees went 23 of 25 for 346 yards. The man only missed three passes. He even rushed for a touchdown, so he knows how to solve problems. I love that because Drew Brees isn't known as a running quarterback, but you could also bring another one into the mix, and that's Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But what's really cool about those two quarterbacks is you're, you're exactly right. They're not able to see over the line. And a lot of times when the line's shifting or you have a pull, it's very hard for them to see around those players. But each one of them has learned how to not only know their offense, but be able to get just enough of a glimpse, whether it be through the offensive line, whether it be like with Russell Wilson, extending a play long enough for him to get a clear view on getting rid of the ball and accurately doing so. But Drew Brees is is ultimately the big person you have to talk about because he's he's close to breaking Peyton Manning's touchdown record. And we're seeing that from a guy that was told all his life, you're too short to be a quarterback. And I think that's opened the door for young players that are worried about that, that, well, I'm too short to be a quarterback. Well, Drew Brees was told he was too short to be a quarterback and look future Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer, if you ask me. But Drew Brees was in a in a situation in San Diego that wasn't working for him. And Sean Payton and 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 the Saints organization brought him in. And it's amazing how much of a difference. And this comes back to that confidence thing that the New Orleans Saints program showed him that they were confident in his, in his ability, brought him in, they won a Super Bowl. And in my opinion, they're looking at probably going to the Super Bowl again this year. Um, and it's cool because that confidence that Drew Brees was given by that whole Saints organization said a lot because in San Diego, he really wasn't doing much. But you get someone that has the true confidence in him and is willing to let a player problem solve and show you hey I can be that person you need all of a sudden it changes the game well, it don't hurt for you know Drew to have an offensive line that will lay down the defensive line far enough that he can see to throw the football but you get into short quarterbacks you, you've got to remember Doug Flutie Doug Flutie was all yes. of what 5'8 five, 5'10 five, was told he would never make yeah. it and he had a stellar career and capped it off with what? A drop kick field goal on his final play as an NFL football player. Yeah, Doug Flutie is is a whole episode in himself because Doug Flutie was an anomaly because you're exactly right. For a player that was told that you won't be able to make it, not that I will give it a shot, but he was told multiple times you won't be able to do it and for him to basically say look i don't care i have the confidence to get out there and do what i know i'll go I to can canada do. and show you i can play football exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly right and, and that's that's important um now one thing um jerry it was, it was great to have you on my podcast but before i let you go i just need to bring up look guys um it was great having my uncle Jerry come in here and, and talk about the youth sports programs down here in Lumberton and throughout the state. Um, I would love to have some people subscribe. Uh, I love doing this and it will give me the opportunity to bring in more people to, to talk about these subjects. So there is a button on there where you can uh, choose to subscribe and help me out. That way I can continue to do this. And um, hopefully I can get Jerry back on it and we can talk about some other things probably more towards the NFL because I know he's a football nut. Baseball. Um, but <laughs> but if you if you like if you like what you heard, hit that hit that subscribe button and help us out. 
And actually, that's um, since you brought it up, baseball, that's going to be one of my podcasts. I'm interested to see uh, what the Yankees do with uh, Stanton and, and where Bryce Harper goes. Um, I was talking to a friend today about Cleveland, and he, he's very big on the fact that Cleveland won't spend the money to bring anyone anyone of, of high value in. But once again, we'll, we'll get into that on another podcast because that's when you get down to the fundamentals of nine people playing as one. I, uh, Uncle Jerry, it was nice to have you on, and I hope to do it again sometime. Well, glad to be here. It's been fun. Uh, be here anytime you need me. All right, guys, and remember, if you have any suggestions, shoot me an email at afansperspective01 at gmail.com. I check it daily. If you have anything you want me to talk about, drop it there, and I will get to it. All right, guys, I hope everyone has a good night, and Uncle Jerry, we'll see you soon. Okie doke.